Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles In the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. My name is Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. And I am Ethan, you can find me on Twitter at Viva Ethan. 25, uh, episode Ken Schrader. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. It was uh, Ken Schrader was the first person I think of. Ken Schrader's been at 25 for a long time. When I was a kid, it was the uh, Kodiak car, the uh, green The green one. Car. Yep. Yeah. And after that, I guess it went to Budweiser. And Wally Dallenbach took over that ride for a little bit. Ricky Craven took over that ride for a little bit, I think. Yeah. But then they changed it to 50 in 98. Mm-hmm. That was so stupid. Yeah. Just one year because of 50th anniversary. They changed it to 50. I uh, I have some stats for the number 25 car in NASCAR. You want to hear them? I want to take a wild guess on the most winningest driver in a 25 real quick, though. Okay. Is it Tim Richmond? It is Tim Richmond. Ah. You, know you know how many wins he has? I don't, but I know good and well he won at least six or seven like in one year. And he, he was rolling in that 25. Yeah, Tim Richmond, he only raced 37 races in the number 25, but he won nine races. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. But out of all the races that the number 25 has entered in NASCAR, there was 1,319 races, 123 top fives, 340 top tens, 786 top 20s, 37 poles, but only 21 wins. I can name Brian Vickers winning in it, right? Uh, at Talladega. Talladega, yep. yes. I know Ken Schrader won at least one. I think he won more than that, but I think I know he won at least one. He won four. Four, okay. Yep. After that, it's kind of hard to really pick what who, who, drew, who drove and won in the 25. Well, you have um, you have Ken Trader, you have Brian Vickers, Jerry Nadeau, Joe Nemechek. Jerry, Jerry Nadeau won like a Coke 600 or something, didn't he? Yep. Uh, Tim Richmond, you have, uh, I think Casey Mears was in there, and uh, Dick <laughs> Leonard? Ladeer? Yeah. And then, that had uh, to have been a long time ago. Yeah, that, was, that must have been a long time ago. It's not that hard of a word. I just I can't read it. Because I have dyslexia, <laughs> but it's lit, littered, 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 dick littered. Yep. All right. That's all I got. 
So uh, this past week was Talladega. Yes, tell me everything. I figured I'd just jump right into it because that's a lot to talk about with Talladega. Yes. So we took, uh, me and my wife, we took our three kids, two boys and a little girl, to Talladega. We uh, we got up there maybe about an hour before the truck race started. We had tickets to the truck race and the Xfinity race on the same day and then the cup the next day. But we decided since we weren't going to have time to do it on Sunday and everything closes after the Xfinity race, everything tends to close around five o'clock up there. I don't know why they don't keep things open after the races because when I walk out, I want to go to the shops. You know, yeah. they, actually, I take that back. This year, they actually did keep the cup haulers open a little bit later. So that was, that was cool. We were actually able to, uh, we were actually able to go after the Xfinity race and uh, go to a cup hauler or two. We were able to do that. But I don't think they did that for the cup race, though. So. But across the street from Talladega, they have where the uh, I kind of compare it to you got WrestleMania access, where all the official WrestleMania WWE stuff with all the current guys are on one side of the street, right by the racetrack. Right. And then across the street, you have Russell Khan. Right. It I, isn't I, an official WWE thing, but. It's a bunch of vendors with a bunch of older collectibles and um, past drivers kind of thing. I mean, they weren't out there like signing or anything, but you know, you know what I mean? As far as like the merchandise goes, older stuff across the street and then some handmade stuff and, you know, smaller companies. And then the big license stuff is right by the racetrack. We love going across the street. At uh, did you happen to see the stuff I was showing you? Oh, yeah, I saw across the street. Yeah. Walls and walls of the die cast that I collected when I was a kid. Yes. And they were only five dollars and less. Every single uh, one of them. Oh my gosh, that's unreal. Dude, I had so much money <sighs> into these die casts. Yeah. And at one point they were worth that. They really were. Right. I remember distinctly going up to places and paying 30, 40, 50 bucks for a 164 skill car because that's what they went for. You know, and old racing champions from 1989 or maybe 90, 91, somewhere in there. One with Earnhardt on the back of the package instead of Richard Petty. Uh-huh. I I distinctly remember paying a bunch of money for old racing champions like that. And I go over there now in these same cars, five bucks. Wow. That's uh heartbreaking. It is, but at the same time, the seventy dollar one twenty four scale cars that I was not getting when I was, I guess eighteen, nineteen, twenty, even a little earlier than that. Yeah, they're ten dollars now. Wow, I could have racked up, dude. Like, remember we were talking about a while back the uh, that silver Earnhardt car that killed NASCAR collecting. Yeah. They had that, the original 1995 action car, silver bank. You this, know, back then they had the little slot in the back window where it was actually a piggy bank. The same diecast car that you said that you would, you wouldn't mind putting in your collection. Yeah, and I didn't get it, <laughs> but you know, I had the opportunity to get one of them. Was uh, one of them was I think twenty dollars. Oh wow! And then I saw another one with a beat up box for ten. 
Oh wow! Okay, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, that's these terrible. things were when they first came out and they sold out at RCCA because they didn't go to stores. They right. just went to the local RCCA shops back when NASCAR shops were around every corner. Way back in the day, that was so much fun. You could go down to any city around here and there'd be a NASCAR store. Right. You know, a little local person selling diecast and merch and stuff. But back when back when those were a thing, they would go to those little shops and they would go to the catalog. And once they sold out of the catalog, that was it. And then you would only be able to find them for $150, $200 at oh, some of wow. these shops. You wouldn't be able to touch them. They're just too expensive. Right. And I could pick one up this weekend for 10 bucks. Not a scratch on it. Oh, jeez. They also had the Sterling Marlin 124 scale silver bullet for uh, 30 I think. Oh, wow. And they had a bunch of $10 ones. Man, this one person I went to that had, uh, I, I ended up getting a Rusty Wallace uh, last call car, uh -huh. which is one he didn't drive. It's like his commemorative car where it has all the banners down the side of it, where it shows it's like black and gold and it has all the banners down the side of it, uh, showing his accomplishments, his accomplishments, like how many wins, how many championships, things like that. Sure. $10. Oh, wow. Wow. And you know, I'm a big Rusty Wallace fan and I was looking for some really good, uh, rusty cars and found a real good one with that. As far as like something I would love to get signed one day. Oh, for sure. You bought that, right? I did buy it. I, I was going to say, I thought that was something that you showed me. I also went over there and I found an $8.164 scale Austin Cindric from, from this year. Not the Daytona 500 win, but that one is not out here. You know, it's not out where I could just go buy it. Right. So I got the next best thing. I got pretty much his paint job and the first car that was made. That was made for him this year. So it was the standard. Yeah, yeah, it's the standard, uh, the standard one one sixty four scale, but not the, you know, like the upped version that comes in the box, not the blister pack that goes to Walmart. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one that you would actually order from Lionel Racing. Right. That's that's what I got. Okay. Well, and that's, that's not too bad. That's what I'm going to end up getting uh, as far as Matt DiBenedetto's truck too. I'm going to end up getting the race win one sixty four scale of that. And you know, let's let's talk about that, dude. Yeah, dude. Wow, I saw Matt DiBenedetto's first win. Well, I mean, okay, hang on. Let's 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 wind that. Yes, he took. He technically won that race. Yes, Caution came out. He was in the lead. Was he, he though? Yes, was, he was. Was absolutely he? yes. Yes, he was. I was there live. I saw it. He was in the lead. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Those replays do not agree with you whatsoever. Well, I saw it. With my own eyes. I don't care what replay show. <laughs> I saw it. He won, and I am so happy for him, dude. So you're Man, not, that was so much fun. It, you know what? Let me, like, on a real note, um, super, super happy for him. I'm not a big Matty D fan, uh, but it's always super nice to see someone that works really, really hard uh, get that breakout victory. I think this particular uh, victory is going to have a major asterisk, asterisk by um, – buy it but i don't think that this is going to be his last um i've been well, pretty harsh you know on him. what you know what's been um what was what was actually said over mrn radio when that was all going on it's not the flagman 
the flagman does not the remember we were talking about the other week yeah it's the lights yeah but the flagman had the flag out but all that aside the official nascar caution caution deal it hadn't it didn't come on i i don't know what exactly was going on with that but what we were seeing based on what the actual like scoring was doing was not in sync with each other. Yeah. Cause and he wasn't, I know, uh, I know, but all I, all we can do, I mean, I don't believe for a minute that NASCAR gave Matt DiBenedetto this win because they have been trying to take wins away from him for five years now. Wow. And you know, good and well, that's true. He should have won the dang Talladega race a couple years ago in cup. But Hamlin went way below the line, and then they deemed that Matt forced him down there, and so they dropped him back when, in reality, Hamlin should have been black flagged, and Matt should have won the race. So that's funny that you bring that up. So that's exactly what happens, right? The rule says that if you push – if I, you and I were racing at Talladega coming to the checkered flag, if I push you under the yellow line, I go to the – I yeah. get penalized and I go to the rear of the field. If you pass me, not being forced, but if you go under that yellow line to pass me and you complete the pass, you get sent to the back of the line. So who exactly? Okay, I, now I that don't you know. say that, I, I'm remembering more about that race now. Now that you say that, because I'm I'm still caught up in the moment of him actually being declared the winner. Right. Right. I remember the whole process of waiting this thing go out, watching these replays, watching that dude push Matt underneath the line. Yeah. And a bunch of us were saying, well, he got pushed under there. There's no way that they'll black flag Matt for going below that line. And at the same time, the guy to push him down there probably shouldn't even be in question about winning this race. Right. Because he did push him down there. And, I mean, wasn't that the guy he was racing? Yeah. I'm so, trying to remember what that uh, young man's name is. And for the life of me, it is I don't remember. slipping my mind. But um, did that guy get penalized and goes to the back of the line or he just not win the race no he no he nothing nobody got penalized and that's why i'm really confused well it makes perfect sense then why matt won if they deemed he got pushed below and still made the pass and they didn't or at least was attempting to make the pass and didn't and they didn't give it to the guy that pushed them down there it, but if you're gonna do that you need to penalize the guy that pushed them down there so the driver we're talking about is Brett Holmes hmm. uh, driving the number 32. I'm not, I'm so, and this is just goes back to what I've been saying for months now with NASCAR. Where is the consistency? I'm so frustrated. Like not as a, like a Maddie D fan. I'm, I could care less if he wins or not. I really didn't have a dog in the fight with the truck race. Uh, if I had to go with somebody, it's going to be Chandler Smith. Uh, just for the time being, but I don't, man, that was such a cluster. Mm -hmm. I mean, like for one, I don't think Matty D won that race by any stretch of the imagination. Brett Holmes beat him to the finish line. Did he? But no, the finish line didn't count. Okay. But caution light. So Brett Holmes, he beat him to the finish line, which doesn't count, but it doesn't count, but put that in your back pocket. Uh, so when the, the scoring loop comes out, the, 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 they go back to the, the most recent scoring loop after the caution comes out, not, not, not when, not on the last lap, they don't on the last lap, they go by exactly when the caution came out and who's ahead. 
that is exactly the rule. They don't go by, they go by scoring loops on every other lap, except the very last lap. They do video evidence to make the absolute most accurate judgment that they can make to oh. see who was winning the race at the time the caution came out. Good Lord. I just, ugh. like, this is, I mean, that's, that's the wording of it. That's what they say. This is the problem though. This is like what I'm talking about. Like, I don't like fans, like diehard fans don't know what the rules are. And that's really sad. Like super, super sad. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, that truck race had me all sorts of frustrated. Uh, not nearly as frustrated as, as NASCAR was with the, the tire changer for Haley Deegan. Oh God. Yeah. And they stopped I know the race for that. They just stopped everything. It's like, no, this dude is by the racetrack. <laughs> I know you guys, you and your sons, uh, your kids kind of touched on it a little bit last week. Um, man, what a bonehead. <laughs> what an idiot. Like I remember the last time it happened and it happened at Atlanta, what, 2011, 2012, 2013, something like that. I mean, it was, I remember it very, very well. And that guy, I don't think works in NASCAR anymore. He's I don't think this guy does either. Uh, he better I, not. I think they pulled his hard card. Oh, absolutely. They did. He, he uh, walked right over to him, said, I need your hard card. And then they yeah. escorted him off the premises. <laughs> what a bonehead. I don't know. Uh, just everything about that race was not compelling at all. And it, uh, it was just a total cluster. Well, I was there. I loved the whole last part of that race. That race was fun to watch. There was so much going on. They never had a real big wreck until right there near the end of it. So you got a lot of, a lot of really good. Uh, I mean, well, they had the moment or two, the single car stuff, like that one guy, the three truck. Oh, my gosh. We weren't even in the track yet when I saw that. I saw that pop up on Twitter and uh, talking about they had just had a caution and there was paramedics out there by the three. Oh, you're talking. Okay. I see. And, yeah. yeah. And we were walking around the, uh, the haulers, the merchandise haulers outside the track for the cup. So we were on our way to the truck race. We missed the first uh, two stages for the truck race. Okay. And we walked in when the third stage was starting, uh, maybe a little bit before that. And we saw the uh, car smoking and stuff on the TV, but we weren't seeing any replays. And eventually I was looking on Twitter and I saw exactly what had happened with him, how he had caught on fire inside the truck because the truck burst into flames. He actually, his arm actually caught on fire and he was breathing all the smoke and he was so desperate to get out as it was crashing to the inside wall. He was out of that car up on the window. Yeah. So he was inches away from getting crushed between the wall and that car. But instead, when he hit that wall, it kind of just bounced him onto the top of the safer barrier. Which, if that safer barrier was, what, two inches higher than that's, what it that's was? That's what I'm saying. Th he would have absolutely been... He would have died. Yeah, he would have been decapitated. But... That goes to show like the danger of this sport. And uh, he, Jordan Anderson was in a situation where he said he was, he literally felt like he was going to die. Mm -hmm. And that's horrific because what had happened to felt that way to jump out like that. So what I'm understanding is an oil, uh, when an oil line somehow broke and it's, and it spewed all over him in the cockpit. Right. That's when the, the flames ignited. And that's when you see him like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, and you can even see him after he gets out of the truck, like 
part of his fire suit is missing mm -hmm. off of his arm and his uh, ankles, and I believe his knee. And he says like he got like third degree burn on his neck, which is like the worst place to get a sunburn, let alone to get burnt. You know, his arms like he has he's still in a a burn unit, to my knowledge. Yeah, they say he'll make a pretty good recovery though. They're, they're saying that he's going to be healing up pretty good in a few weeks. But uh, man, thoughts and prayers. Gracious. Yeah, that for was for sure. Was, it was scary to think about what could have happened with that. Oof. And uh, just thankful it just it turned out as as okay as it did. Yes, you know because on top of that, I feel like some kind of final destination moment happening where you try Honestly. to avoid one thing and something else happens that kills you. Yeah. That's what it felt like watching that. I'll tell it, just, it felt like he was trying to just jump out of the car while it was rolling and didn't notice the wall was like that close to him. Yeah, he probably—I mean, he probably thought he was on fire, so he decided, you know what, I'm gonna tuck and roll. He was and on fire. Yeah, I mean, he was. He absolutely was on fire. So he probably—he was. I'm gonna tuck and roll, and hopefully, you know, by rolling on the ground trying to come to a stop is gonna put the fire out. It's that's insane. I. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to look back on this truck race fondly at all. Well, I wasn't there for that. I was there for Matt DiMetto winning and so much fun. So much fun. Matt DiMetto, there's some like really popular people that I didn't realize they were as popular as they were based on the crowd. Uh, uh Carson Hosevar, extremely popular. Yes. Extremely popular. Like he is the guy in the trucks. Straight oh. up. At least he was. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Isn't he the one that, that had a flat tire and he decided he was going to spin out at the start finish line and watch the flagman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then go, I said, dude's getting paralyzed for that. He's like, <laughs> uh, listen, I am one of the biggest Carson Hosefar fans you'll ever meet. I really think that there's, mark my words, I feel like he's going to race for KBM next year but not if he keeps on doing stuff like that. That is something that he has to understand that like, not only are you, I get it that you're trying to win your race and you're trying to come out with a caution, but everything, everybody's watching that, right? Rick Hendrick is watching that race. You know, Chase Elliott is watching that race. Kyle Busch and, you know, really big, important people that could help you, you know, climb that ladder through nascar is watching you do this stuff like grow up this is not good this is not a good look don't do that stuff anymore well okay yeah it was stupid right and he did it just because he uh didn't want to go a lap down he wanted to keep his chance of winning the race so he, yeah he absolutely did that on purpose so he could get back in the race but at the same time, he waited until everybody got by him. He spun out just off the lane, so he wasn't going to be in the way. He knew they were going to throw a caution. They weren't going to let the field come by wide open at him. Right. And he didn't put nobody in danger. And at the same time, I've seen Dale Jr. do that. I've seen uh, who spun who, who spun out. I saw um, Clip Boyer. Clip Boyer did that. I've seen yeah. some really big guys do that kind of stuff. So, so it's not like his whole career was on the line with that. It's just a stupid thing he did. Right. So I completely understand that to an extent, right? But you say Dale Jr., you say Clint Boyer, they're already in the Cup Series. And most of the time, you know, we heard the audio on Clint Boyer. Hey, pal, is uh, your yeah, arm, yeah. arm feeling okay? That obviously is, you know, someone, Michael Waltrip, saying, hey, 
We need a caution right now. Hey, your arm's feeling funny, isn't it? Oh, yep, here we go. I don't feel like Nice Motorsports was like, hey, Carson. I know, this is all him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's just the stupid, stupid decisions that he's making right now. So my thing is, for Carson Hosfar, win with honor, lose with dignity. I mean, in fairness, I think I've done that at a dirt track before. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I get spun out and I just wait. I was like, I'm not moving. You feel caution. <laughs> I'm not getting lapped. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know how many people do that on dirt tracks? They get, they oh. get black flag for it too. They get they get pointed at, and if they do it again, they get black flag. Yeah, you know, I mean, because a flagman it, has power. It happens flag. literally every single week. We go to <laughs> you know a local dirt track. Absolutely, that's going to happen. But it's like that's, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, say like jab anybody, but that's mm-hmm. when you know, like. Who has amateur. who has yeah, who has dignity amateur, yeah. and and who knows how to lose lose who's a good loser, I guess. I don't know. Nobody well, should be a good loser. Um I plan on picking up that Matt De Benedetto race to win 164 scale. I would like to pick up the Ross Chastain while I do that, but I'm probably gonna have to get the Ross Chastain one from earlier this year by itself so it doesn't wait until next May to ship. Mm. Um so I'm so happy for Matt because I've been wanting him to win for years and I actually got to see his first win in person. Just happy for him. Thrilled to death. Moving on to the Xfinity race. That was a really fun race to watch. Uh, Noah Grayson is your guy in the Xfinity series. Yes. He is so popular. Yes. And everybody out there wanted him to win five in a row. Because, I mean, that was a record. Right, that's a Xfinity Series record. If he won five in a row, and we would have been a part of that in some sort of way, because I was at Kansas three mm-hmm. weeks ago, you were at Talladega. If he would have won, he would have made history. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have watched that. You know, we would have been present, and you know, so I was really pulling for uh, uh what's his name, uh, Noah Gregson, very hard in that race. So I'm not wrong in thinking because that race kind of went by pretty fast with me. Uh, which, by the way, let me go, go where, where we were sitting. We were sitting coming off of pit road, not quite to the start finish line, just at the exit of pit road. Hmm. But we were on row 26 of the section. And apparently we didn't know this when we booked it. Some of these sections have 25 rows. And then some of them have a row that's kind of gated off above the 25th row for handicap. But then oh. some sections have rows 26 and 27. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're two rows by themselves, gated off above everything else. Apparently, we were in row 26, and they gated off front row, nobody in front of us. We could sit down the whole time, watch the whole race, not have to worry about the, the kid, like the baby, if she's getting restless. She, we could just, at one point near the end of the race, we had the whole second to ourselves because everybody else left. Nice. So we literally had two full rows by ourselves, gated, so the baby wasn't going to run around outside the section to mess with somebody. Right. You know, and we could just focus on the race. We had all the room in the world. We could bring our stroller right in there. Didn't have to worry about any steps. It was excellent. Yeah. Excellent way to watch a race. And we're going to remember that from now on row 26 and 27. That's uh, on the grandstands. That's where you want to be. If they have a row 26 and 27. Hey, really fast. Um, the Xfinity race, were they throwing out any sort of uh uh, Sheldon Creed hats. 
I don't remember seeing any. No. The red wheeling. Mm-mm. That's gosh dang it. Well, in Kansas, they were uh, throwing some out in the crowd and stuff, and I, I really wanted one, and I was going to tell you, hey, if they're throwing some stuff out, like grab me a hat, uh, because I am I am RCR's biggest fan, you know. After all, so twenty twenty three, baby. <laughs> I could tell you, I could tell you probably where they were was the garage experience, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about that next. Yeah. And, uh, man, okay. Almendinger winning that race in the last possible moment he could. Fun way to end that race. That was a really, really fun way. And another really popular win with the crowd. A lot of people like A.J. Almendinger. And congratulations to him going full-time in the 16 next year in Cup. Absolutely. I'm so happy about that. Super excited to see A.J. Almendinger back full-time in the NASCAR Cup Series in 2023. Mm -hmm. But, um... He actually did his burnouts right there in front of us. I saw that. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> and, of course, I was in the moment, and I didn't get any video or pictures of it or anything. But we did get to walk on the track the next day where he did the burnouts. Nice. So that was really cool to, you know, because we were looking at it. It's like, I guess a wreck had one of the trucks wrecked right here. And I was yeah. like, no, that's the 16's win. That's what that is. And uh, congratulations to my good friend, Josh Berry. I met him at Kansas Speedway, so now we're all of a sudden just best friends. Uh, getting a <laughs> fifth place finish at Talladega. Pretty cool. It's so funny what little I do remember of that Xfinity race. I remember so much about the end of that truck race, but I really only remember the fact that there wasn't a real big one in the Xfinity race. It was really calm. Yeah. And Noah never really had a chance to win that race. He got up there a little bit but he really stalled out once he got to about fifth, sixth and just never really got up there. Yeah. And AJ Allmendinger wins at the last second. That's in his burnouts. That's really the only things I really remember about that race. But then we'll go on to the cup race. Yes. So we got there right when the track was opening Nice at, 8.30 a.m. actually. We got there at 8.30 a.m. Because that's when the tram started. We had garage experience tickets. How did Okay, first off, how did you get a garage experience? We just bought it. It's an add-on. What? Mm-hmm. I guess that's not an option at Kansas. Well, it's something they've only recently added at Talladega. They built this whole big thing in the infield. Uh, I think this is the third race with it. The second year, I know. And wow. But you had to have had... Uh, grandstand or cup, you know, race tickets. You had to have race race tickets just to go in there. Yeah. And the garage experience ticket was separate. So it's almost like paying double for, you know, two different tickets. But they say get the cheapest grandstand ticket you can find. Go in there. And if you like it enough, you can just watch it from the infield. And huh. if you rather watch it from the stands, go back to the stands and watch it. But we got in there and our plan initially was, well, we're going to leave after driver intros, get on the tram, go back through the tunnel and go back around to the front straightaway and get in our seats. Once we got in there, we said, no, we're staying here. It's just, it was too much. It was just, yeah. it was so much. It was, uh, it wasn't a huge area, but the area encompassed all the garages where it wasn't even like a glass 
wall. Like you see it like at Daytona where they have the garage experience. There's like a glass, like you're watching them in like an aquarium. Yeah. It wasn't like that. They were all there wide open for you. It was just a little, it was a gate about chest high. It was just a little huh. fence about chest high. It was all wide open there. You could see everything, smell everything. You could talk to them. Uh-huh. Everybody was wow. right there. And once the garage is opened at 10 o'clock, here came the crews and here came the guys uh, cranking up the cars and tuning them and all sorts of fun stuff. And on either side, they had, okay, you got this really, really big restaurant, right? And inside this restaurant, it's called Big Bill's. And inside this restaurant, there's so many different locations inside around it that uh, around the perimeter of it that you could get different things to eat and drink. And so so it kind of like just circled the inside of it. And then this huge section in the middle was nothing like benches and tables and couches and stuff for you to watch TV on their giant screen inside this building. Right. And on either side of this enclosed building was the NASCAR cup garages. Two of them anyway, there were four total, but two of them were on either side of this building. And so in the, before the race started, before they got rolled to tech, they would crank up and they would be tuning and stuff. It filled this place. This place had a steady rumble of cup cars while you were sitting there eating and watching the pre-race stuff on the big screen. And then inside that was where Bobby Allison and Donnie Allison were signing autographs. And I got an Alabama gang hat from them for 30 bucks and I got them both to sign it. So now I have an Alabama gang hat signed by Bobby and Donnie Allison. That's amazing. Yeah. That should be going straight into like a, like a display case of some sort, you know, where it doesn't get dusty or anything. That's unreal. Congratulations. That's, that's really cool. Uh, my son also got a Daytona 500 hat that he had brought signed by Donnie Allison. I thought that's a really cool person to get signed to sign that Daytona 500 hat, considering he's part of one of the most memorable finishes in history. Yeah. Uh, well, Bobby was too. I guess he could have gotten both to sign it, but he got Donnie to sign it. And I think he got a, a card from Bobby, like a hero card. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was, man, I had the Davy Allison hat and some people were, were getting him to sign some Davy stuff. And I was like, I kind of don't want to do that to him. I, you know, you don't want to do that to somebody like that. Right. Walk up to him and give him a sign his son's thing. Yeah. I see what you mean. Died in 93. I, 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 that never sit well with me to do stuff like that. You know, so just went ahead and bought their $30 hat and got them to sign that. They had die cast though on their table, but they were a hundred dollars each signed. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's worth it, but it's a hundred dollars each sign. I think it was 110 signed each. Well, just the next gen 124 scale diecast cars were a hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, so these you, are the um, these are a couple years old, yeah, yeah. We, whenever the last time it was like a, a red 27 Donnie Allison car, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a Oh, what car was it that Bobby had? It was a 22, but I don't think it was a later one. I think it was an earlier one. Not the Superbird, but I think it was one in between the Superbird and the uh, the Buicks that he had, like uh, the Miller American and Miller High Life ones. It was somewhere in between there. And it, it was a 22, though. And 
they had both of those on their tables. But yeah, I mean, one hundred ten dollars each signed, and yeah, I would have loved it. But that's two hundred twenty bucks drop right there, and yeah. there was so much left to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we had um, we had decided that we were going to uh, just watch it from the infield, and before the racing, before we even left, uh, we had signed up the kids to see if they would they could do it, right. We signed them up for the uh, Fist Bump Alley. Do you know what that is? No, I've never heard of that. Well, driver intros, they built this long, long ramp from the platform all the way to the racetrack. And this, the driver intros for the cup race happened in the trial, well, not the start-finish line. So it went all the way through the grass, all the way to the racetrack where they had the trucks waiting on them to carry right. them around for the parade lap. And along the side of it is photographers all the way down on the other side of it, fist bump alley. They picked kids and the parents to go with them to high five fist bump every single driver that come by unreal. And our kids got picked oh. only like 20 got picked. Wow. But my wife signed them up so early that both of them got picked. And on top of that, me and her got to do it too. Yeah. So we sat there and we fist bumped and high-fived every single driver that come by. You guys and did it, too? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. we did. Absolutely. Awesome. I, I wish luck to Ross Chastain. I told Busher he was my pick. None of that worked out, but that's cool. Can you and, – and I already know. I've already experienced this once. Can you tell me just one time how soft Kyle Bush's hands were? <laughs> I do not think I high five Kyle Bush. Are you? No, what? Look, look, this is the reason. I said good luck. I said good luck. Absolutely. He was one of the few I actually did talk to when they come by, but I was filming it. And I was trying to get my daughter, because I was holding my daughter, trying to get her to do fist bumps because she will, but she only did a couple. Like she wouldn't, she just keep wouldn't keep sticking her hand out there to get fist bumps, right? Yeah, so I'm trying to get her to interact too at the same time. And Kyle kind of, I think Kyle came up on me so fast there at one point that I didn't realize he was right there. I saw, I like, I knew Ross Chastain was coming because they started up front. So he was one of the last couple to come by. And I was paying attention to Chris Busher because he was my pick because I wanted to make sure that uh, I was like, hey, man, you're my pick. Good luck. You know? And what did he say? He's like, oh, thank you so much. Let's go out for dinner. Well, I, I actually, I, I told Suarez good luck, and he was like, thank you. You know, I mean, he's like one of the only ones that actually did an Iraq pack. So, yeah. cool on Suarez, you know. Yeah. Um, well, but, I, I just want, for the record, Kyle Bush's hands are pretty soft. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this, though. He seems like he's in such a better mood right now. I, I mean, you can definitely tell for sure. Just him walking by, he seems like a different person. He's not sour or nothing. He's just He's just ready to... Ready to keep going with what he's doing right now and move on to next year. Yep. And he's he's so ready to get out of that 18. It's funny. I I'm ready for him to get out of the 18 at this point. For sure. <laughs> but we decided after that, um, we were literally on pit road after that. Like literally walking before okay, before driver intros, we got to walk all the way down to the start finish line and up the banking that they'll let us go up. They wouldn't let us go up the middle of the trial because it was too steep. Right. But they let us walk up 
just out of the trioval and up where the start finish line is and stuff. That's where I got all those really cool empty track pictures. Yeah. And um, we rode on the start finish line. I wrote in the marbles with Soda and Ethan right there on the start finish line. And I did the same at Kansas Speedway too. So it's really <laughs> cool. Um, so that's that's awesome. Kids had a foot race at one point to the uh, check to the checker flag. So that was nice. that was fun. And walked back down pit road, right by all the pit boxes and all this. Went over to driver intros. When that was done, we kind of loitered a little bit longer than we were kind of supposed to, you know, just like, sure. hey, they're out here. You know, they haven't done the national anthem and all that yet. We're kind of in that in-between stage. They're just now coming out and they're doing some interviews by the cars and they're doing these little specials by the cars. Rosh Tashtang's car's right there because he's starting like second or third and he's right there, you know, and right. just, man, these cars, look, they, they are something else up close. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I always called them a little ugly, but up close, they they're pretty sharp race cars. They really are really nice looking race cars for sure. They ugly when they crash. Ooh, they ugly, ugly. They they don't bend. They don't. They they have a uh, ugly underneath to them. They just they ugly in general when they crash. But but um, up close, these cars look sharp. Heck yeah, they do. They sound good too. Yes, they. Ooh, yes, they do. But yeah, so we went back behind pit wall, and literally, there's a there's a gap, obviously, where the crews are between pit road or pit wall and where we were. Mm -hmm. But when they come in for pit stops, they were right there. We just walked to the fence and watched the pit stops from the back side of it. Unreal. I mean, we were no more than about twenty feet from them. While they were doing the pit stops and i i did find one drawback to the one lug thing uh other than like wheels falling off um <laughs> after the uh xfinity race everybody collects these uh lug nuts yes and while we were walking around the garage we always had we had random crew people and track people hey kids here have a lug nut yeah and we, we got three of them the weekend yeah Yellow painted Xfinity series lug nuts. I think I have like 12 of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. We had never been in the infield any, any time before and right. never got that close. So we never had any cup lug nuts like that. Or it, they would be cup lug nuts. Otherwise, yeah. same thing. But we realized that one guy, one guy across the fence who was actually in that section, he was uh, seeing my kids and he was like, Hey man, you want uh, you want me to get you a lug nut? And he looked at me like, "Oh, we can't do that anymore." Ah, oh, well. I forgot because they only got the one lug thing. I'm I'm sorry, I wouldn't even brought that up. You could <laughs> have been like, "I'll I'll still take one." Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't care if it's well, big. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, they only have the one now. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, they I would still take one. No, I mean it stays on the car. I know that's the like fun. it doesn't even. They, they don't even shoot them out and have a new one lug go on the right. car. It just, it's that one that just stays on the car. If you took it. <laughs> Soda, that's, that's my joke, Soda. <laughs> well, that, that's what's funny about it. Though. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a joke. I, I understand it's a joke. It, it kind of sounded like it was just, you talking about there's just one, one big one instead of yeah. it being a bunch of little ones. But the yeah. fact that they only have the one for the entire race now, it's just, it's 
it's hard to believe that they actually keep that lug inside the wrench and then it goes right back on like that instead yeah. of it just popping off the old way and I'm just putting a new one on there. Right. It's a unique, unique setup they have now and I don't really like it. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm more on your side on that one. I wasn't a totally against it, but after being there and realizing that the kids might not get that little souvenir anymore pretty soon because I'm pretty sure they're all going to go to that eventually. Right. All three series. That's kind of, that's that kind of sucks. Yeah. It's just a little something taken away. Just a little, not a big thing, just a little something taken away. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it ain't, it ain't nothing in a big grand, grand scheme of things, but I don't think it's made it any safer. Right. I mean, wheels are falling off. Did it really make it that safe? Not at all. No. <laughs> The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. If you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here on Pulling Up a Chair. So while we're in the infield, we have the options of where we can watch the race. We could either watch it from Big Bill's inside the giant restaurant thing. We really can't watch it from the track uh, unless you spent four or $500 a ticket to watch it in direct sunlight right at the start finish line and not see anything behind you. Mm -hmm. That was a joke because we were watching that group try to watch the race or try to watch the start finish line anyway from where we were sitting outside the track. So look, we're in the shade and we can see just about the whole track except the back straightaway. You can't really see the back straightaway, but too right. many campers and stuff. You just can't see it from that low. But look, we can see about the whole track and these guys here, they don't even have a screen in front of them. They're just watching this little section of racetrack right in front of them from the inside, right in direct sunlight. No, thank you. I'll, I'll sit under the patio and watch it on their ginormous screen and watch the pit stops go on behind me, you know? Right. But with about 15 laps to go, everybody started migrating over to Victory Lane. And we're like, yeah, let's do that. We're going to we're gonna go ahead and get our spots in Victory Lane. So whoever wins this will come in and we'll have some pretty good seats to watch the celebration. And we got over that way. My kids, uh, they like their own drivers, but they both like Chase Elliott. Right. In fact, my son had just bought a, uh, a brand new Hooters Chase Elliott hat. Had a boy. He he just did that. A black Hooters hat with the with uh the orange stripes going down the middle of it. And my other son, he uh just had a Daytona hat. But he's still a big fan of Chase Elliott. They both are. Right. Well, we got over the victory lane and there was this lady with lanyards, just a handful of lanyards. And she looked at my wife and saw the kids. She's like, do you think your kids would participate in victory lane? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, heck yeah, they would. 
what do I got to do? He's like, here, we'll give each of them a lanyard, and we're going to put them in the back row on sitting down in victory lane. Like, it's all blocked off for us. We're hanging off the edge of a fence. They're inside the fence with the car. Right. Okay, so they're sitting there all in one row. About 20 kids, maybe about 15 kids got picked for this. And, I mean, I'll be dang. What in the world? My kids are the luckiest spoiled yeah. kids. I mean, how do you get picked in the same race to do the driver introductions and sit in victory lane with the winner? And so there was a TV over victory lane. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting there watching the end of that race. And I'd be like, "What? wouldn't this be neat? if instead of Ryan Blaney or Ross Chastain or something like this winning, but for the kids, Chase Elliott ended up winning this race because he really wasn't in contention to win it. Not at all. Like, he was up front, but he wasn't really a contender to actually win the race, you know? And I'll be dang if he didn't pull away. And by the way, uh, yeah, he is the most popular driver in NASCAR just by the crowd. Just straight up. He was the man with the crowd. I don't know why they think Bubba Wallace is so daggone popular. I mean, they had his stuff everywhere, but his stuff wasn't selling. Chase Elliott's stuff was selling. You know, that's just, I don't know. They think Bubba Wallace is way more popular than he is. I mean, he's fine, but he ain't no different than anybody else. Chase Elliott is the man there. Just straight up. Chase Elliott is the guy that everybody buys. And, by the way, I was very, very um, upset with the lack of Ross Chastain stuff. There was not even one die cast anywhere for Ross Chastain. I would have bought oh, it. Really? Not one 164 scale, 124 scale across the street, in the haulers, in the in the Talladega booth. Nowhere. The only Ross Chastain stuff there was was the koozies, which I got one, and some random track house stuff. And it was, I think they had I think he had three shirts. I think I saw four shirts total. Two across the street and two official ones. Oh, wow. I bought a couple of uh, the official ones, but they weren't good. They were all that Alicare mm-hmm. car and not the like the good ones, like the GoPro or the uh, GoPro was one of the sponsors, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was. That was a really pretty cars. I think Moose was, uh, was on one shirt, but it was just on the back. It was kind of grayed out. Mm. I was like, God, but that's such a pretty car. And you go in, uh, they just, the ugly white and blue and green car. That's the only real colorful shirts oh. they had. Anyway, but Chase said, when I went in that race, my kids went crazy. And they told them, they told this whole row of kids, sit down, stay seated, don't stand up. It'll take about 15, 20 minutes. Let all the photographers behind you up in the bleachers. Take all the pictures they have to take because they're going to be doing the hat dance. If you don't know what the hat dance is, anybody listening, every single sponsor of these cars and the tracks, the track and the cars, they all bring hats in case somebody goes to victory lane. And every single crew member and driver and owner and everything, they all have to get a picture with their hat holding up the the finger like you know one like number one this case they they held up a five because it was their fifth win of the year Mm -hmm. everyone on pose for a picture with a different hat and then they push that house to the side and they put another one on they do this for 20 minutes yeah it's just swap hat you know the picture 
swap, picture, swap, picture, swap. It's just like that constantly. Everything, everything from Chevrolet to Hooters to Yellowwood to anything else on that car. A lot of Napa stuff. It was like five different Napa hats they had to put on. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. You see the point. But they did that. And then the crew members gathered up armfuls of hats and walked over to the kids. Oh, wow. And just handed the hats to them. My son's got two hats each. My uh, oldest got a Napa, a blue and white Napa hat, and a Chevrolet hat, a black Chevrolet hat that actually has Winter Circle written on the back of it. Dang it. That's the one I need. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> and the other one got a uh, Cincinnati hat. Is a white Cincinnati. I don't even know what Cincinnati is. Cin oh, Cincinnati. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what company it is. I don't know. But then he got he got a Napa hat also. And what was funny is the dad with the uh, kid that was next to him was sitting right beside us and his kid or standing right beside us on the fence. And his kid actually got the Hooters hat, a white Hooters hat. And he was like, man, I'm so happy he got that Hooters hat. I'm so happy that's the one he got. Well, he put it on. He didn't like the way it fit. So he looked over at my son and said, like, hey, I'll trade you. So he got the Napa hat. My son got the Hooters hat. You oh. should have seen the heartbreak in that dad's face. Oh, my son just traded away the Hooters hat. <laughs> oh, man. But we weren't about to say, Dylan, trade that back. Right. Like, no, I mean, let the kids do what they go to now. Yeah. <laughs> he, he later said, I wouldn't have made that trade if I was him. I like this Hooters hat. <laughs> right. No joke. <laughs> so he got the, uh, and then it was over with Chase Elliott went down to the kids he got a microphone and took questions from the reporters, which is right in front of us. I mean, he's literally five feet in front of us now, but he's right in front of the kids. And he had a Sharpie and he was signing the hats for the kids. So my oldest got his black Hooters hat with the orange stripes. He got Chase Elliott to sign it on the orange stripes. Mm -hmm. And the youngest got the white and orange Hooters hat that he got just now signed on the bill. So now they have two signed Chase Elliott Hooters hats. Nice, That's dude. Awesome. Did they get a picture with Chase Elliott? Not personally, oh, but man. did you see the uh, Twitter post I put today with uh, uh, the Victory Lane pictures with Chase Elliott? I don't believe I did. On um on the In the Marvels account, I put four pictures that my son took from Victory Lane while he was sitting there. In, uh, Oh, I almost went old school and went, oh, um, not politically correct anymore. Crisscross applesauce is what you call it nowadays, I guess. Not Indian style. Oh, um, yeah. When I was a kid, it was Indian style. Now it was crisscross yeah. applesauce. But um, he was sitting there with his legs crossed, just watching Victory Lane. He just had his phone up, you know, just taking pictures of it. He got all these live video, live pictures, you know, where you, uh, you have a little bit of motion in the picture. Chase Elliott coming out of the car, confetti waving. He's waving the flag. He's cheering. Man, he's got some good pictures. That's he awesome. Is. I'm actually looking at them right now. That is mm -hmm. really cool. The one that he's standing up on the on, on the car with the checkered flag in his hand, that's really cool. And on his phone, all those are live pictures, so they move a little bit. Yeah, I hate it's, that. Yeah, I do too, but in this case, it's kind of neat because the confetti's flying at the same time. 
which by the way, confetti, we got a pocket full of it. Nice. Right. So what we want to do, because the kids were there in victory lane, getting autograph hats and everything. We want to get the raced win. 124 scale elite. Yes. We're going to put it in a case. And we're going to sprinkle the real confetti from Victory Lane over on uh, underneath it. Such an awesome, awesome idea. And then maybe one day we can get them to sign it. I doubt it. But even if not, it doesn't matter. We got hats from Victory Lane signed by him that we could put around it anyway. But, man, I hope they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. Oh, I, I'm sure that they absolutely will. And... uh that's going to do it for my trip because after that I could go into everything else we did, like the NASCAR speed park. And we went to Gatlinburg and I was showing you some uh, video and pictures of that. That's like straight out of 1998. You walk in that place that you got these 88 quality care banners on the wall. You have mm -hmm. uh, Rusty Wallace banners, Dale Earnhardt's Daytona 500 style car was there like the 1998 plus paint job he had it's sitting in the front you have a 1992 richard petty fan appreciation grand prix right sitting there i mean it's just man so much fun that, that uh that nascar speed park it's a blast from the past and i remember racing on that when i was a kid and the fact that that's one of their favorite places to go when you go up to gatlinburg is always fun to me absolutely for sure but i could get into a lot more with that gatlinburg trip but i'm not going to go into all that. I just wanted to touch on the Talladega stuff and man, that was a blast. I don't know when we're going to get to go back to Talladega, but I know we're going to Daytona next. That's the mm -hmm. next big one. And, uh, dude, you got to come down to Talladega one year. Oh, I absolutely have it planned. I, uh, I just need to get the funding behind <laughs> it. Going to have to get you a garage pass. Yeah. Every time, like, I was kind of like, you know, I'm all right. I don't really necessarily need to go to Talladega, but after seeing all your videos and stuff, I 100% I have to. I have to go to Daytona, Talladega, Coke 600, and the Southern 500. Those are my top four I really want to go to. I tried to post some videos from the End of Marvels account of what it's like to watch a lap. Mm-hmm. And I think some of it came across right, but it, it isn't like actually feeling the pack roar by you like that. You know, it's, right. it's, it's a lot different when you just see it and you can, you can hear it and you hear the announcers talking and all of a sudden the announcers get quieter and quieter and quieter because the pack's getting louder. Right. And then they come by you, but you don't feel the, like the concussion of the cars through this camera. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's something else. It ain't, there's nothing like it to me. Daytona's not even like anything like Talladega to me. It's just, there's something else about it. Heck yeah, man. So that's a long race recap. Congrats to Chase Elliott winning the race. We went an hour talking about Talladega. But we're going to move on to some questions. Unless you got anything else you want to add about Talladega? Um, not that I can think of, no. No big ones. Yeah, you know, there wasn't. A, I mean, there, there was one wreck that Recky Spinhouse cost. Yeah, but I mean, that's just yeah, that, normal. Yeah, you know? and it, it wasn't a real crazy crash. It was just a couple 
cars getting spun out. Wasn't nothing insane. I think only one car from that went to the garage, and it was Corey LaJoy. Yep. And I saw that. I saw them tow him in. Do you know why he wrecked? Hmm. Uh, the screws on his steering column came loose. <sighs> there was nothing bad That's to happen right. to the car. He was yeah. by himself. That wasn't even from that wreck. That was another thing, wasn't it? Yeah, he was completely by himself. And, and w- what really was unfortunate was because he had just as faster laps than the race leaders. Mm-hmm. Or just he, as fast. He's usually really good at these tracks. But, um... Oh, I was going to say something about Talladega, but I've lost my train of thought. I've lost my train of thought. Oh, well. Move on to questions. I'll, it'll probably come back to me. No, no, no. I know. I know. Door pump or clear. I, w- I listened to a little bit of that. I saw a little video of that on Twitter. Or, actually, I think it was YouTube. Mm-hmm. Where they were talking about how this next-gen car ruined restrictor plate racing. Or ruined the super speedways and it ruined short tracks. I was like, okay. I get the short tracks haven't been as good as they have in the past. I don't think they've been awful, though. Martinsville, I think, was pretty bad. But other than that, I don't think that every short track has been awful. Right. I actually kind of dig the super speedway racing with this car. One, we have 57 lead changes. That's a lot of lead changes. I mean, we haven't Mm -hmm. seen this many lead changes since the, like, tandem right stuff when it comes to this car of course everybody hated that too so go figure they don't know what they want they want big wrecks is what they want this is this is exactly the problem this is the problem with this new car and people this car has people scared to wreck Uh, absolutely it does yeah that's what i was kind of gonna i was kind of summarize all that stuff after you were done making your point but i was like man that's the point that's the point yeah. I'm trying to make. Yeah. I mean, you can tell these, these drivers are scared to death to, you know, bump draft a little bit too hard because I mean, if, if you could get a concussion and I'm going to say as easily as backing it into the fence, which I'm not from, it should not be a hard, hard impact. That should be the one of the easiest impacts. If you look at, you know, if you look at Alex Bowman's, you know, impact at, uh, Oh, uh, Texas, Texas. Uh, it doesn't look that bad. You do the inside, uh, the, um, oh, inside yeah. the, yeah, Turn like, the volume up oh, and do man. the inside and listen to that pop when that, he hits the wall. That hurts, dude. Like, it does. And it, if that is what happens when you back into the fence, imagine going, you know, head first into the wall. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous. Maybe the back end of these cars are just, you don't see that many people talking about how bad it hurt with them going head first, though. Like, I mean, yeah, it hurts, but you don't hear about concussions with them going head first. Maybe the front end has a better crumple zone than the rear does. How many people have went head first? I mean, next gen. Daytona and Talladega, they always wreck head first under the walls and the corners. Yeah, but we didn't see that at Talladega. Was there any earlier Talladega or well, at Daytona? Day- at Daytona, there was. Absolutely, there was. You had a bunch of people spinning and hitting the wall head first at Daytona. I mean, the rain, that last wreck alone at Daytona, you had three or four of them do it. Well, that's true, yeah. I, 
I I just kind of feel like the rear of this car isn't isn't made to crash like that. I wonder if drivers, because instinct is if you go outside and you slip on ice, you know, and you know that you're falling, you always tuck your chin. Mm. I wonder if these drivers just lean into it, you know, like they put their head on the back of their driver's seat and then hit the impact. I wonder if that would make any difference. Well, but I know every time I wrecked, I brace for it and you're not supposed to brace for it. So, right. But I mean, at the same time, if you're in that moment, you know, you need your spotter to be like, Hey, lean your head into it, you know, lean your head on to the back of the seat. Yeah. But I mean, if you're wrecking at 200 miles an hour and you're trying to save the car while you're doing it. So, you know, the odds are you hearing that the odds are you reacting to that. And the odds of you actually doing that is probably real slim. Mm -hmm. But there, I don't agree with all of their logic though from Dorba Clear. They say the reason why the race wasn't good is because people were afraid to take heavy risks and take a lot of chances and be really aggressive because they're scared to wreck the car. Right. I think that made the race better. I honestly do. I'm not praising NASCAR for making a car that's not safe. Don't get me wrong. Right. I like the idea that there is risk and that they know there's risk. When there was risk, the racing was wild, but it wasn't reckless. When there was no risk and we saw Michael McDowell walk away from a car that he should have died in, people went crazy and just, they, they wrecked 15 times at the end of a race now. Six, mm-hmm. seven green-white checkers, whatever. Doesn't matter. Let's wad them all up and only have three or four finished at the end of it. Where the winning car looks like it came off of Bristol. Right. At Daytona, you know. I don't like that. I haven't liked that since it started. Since all that mess started about five, six years ago, where people realize that they're not going to get hurt in this car and they just go out there and go crazy. That's why people hate these super speedway races. Right. It's because they 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 throw everything out there and they ruin the end of these races. Instead of having a good fun race with a bunch of wild moves and stuff like that going to the end of it. They just go reckless and throw each other around and block each other all over the place, slam each other into the wall, push them too hard, wreck everybody. Three or four cautions, you know, they'll run 185 laps clean and then they'll have six wrecks at the end of the race. Right. I hate that, man. I absolutely hate that. That happened. We had a green white checker this time, but it was because a car was stalled at the end of pit road. Right. There was no wreck. There was no wreck. And I think that's why people don't like this car right now at these super speedways because they didn't wreck. I I didn't hear nobody complain about it at Daytona. They wrecked plenty at Daytona. Exactly. But it's just like the tandem stuff. They weren't wrecking. They weren't having these big pack wrecks. They were all spread out two by two by two and having these crazy races, two races in a row where they had like 90 lead changes. Yeah. Best Talladega races in the history of Talladega. Two races in a row. The next year, they changed the car. Where you can't do that. They make rules you can't do that. Because people didn't like the tandem racing. Because they weren't they weren't wrecking. Right. As just... Fans, are, fans and influencers of the sport are really, really stupid. Sometimes. They really are. To me, this is my opinion. I know I don't... Nobody has to share that opinion. That's just what I always felt 
when people say they don't like something at Daytona and Talladega, mm-hmm. they want packs and they want wrecks at the end of every race. Uh, yeah, exactly. I heard that coming out of the track. I heard that from a fan wearing a Chase Elliott shirt going back to the hotel. I was walking to go get some towels from the lobby, and I saw a Chase Elliott fan coming into his his, his room as I was walking out. I said, man, that's a heck of a race, wasn't it? Because I legit thought it was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great race. 57 lead changes, dude. Right. When was the last competitive race we had like that? Quite a while ago. It's been a while. And he had a Chase Elliott shirt on top of that. And I said, man, heck of a race. I know he's happy, right? That's a heck of a race, man. Right. And he says, yeah, but there wasn't any wrecks. Oh, man. That's... That's rough. Stupid. It's stupid. That's like uh that's the equivalent of saying I, I really like watching people jump out of airplanes without parachutes. You know, that's uh, especially with how dangerous the, the car is right now with three people sidelined with major concussions. Mm-hmm. It's uh man, that's really such a rough thing to say is oh man, I wish there was more wrecks. That's yeah. horrible. It's just I don't know what are you watching racing for? Exactly. I mean, what's the point of watching the race if all you care about is the wreck? Go watch a demolition derby and get away from NASCAR. You know, Caitlin Vinsel asked a question, uh, you know, probably a few weeks ago or a month ago. What's your favorite part about racing? And neither one of us said wrecks. Nope. I, I've you never know? said, never once thought. Like, now, after the fact, I will admit, I will fully admit, after the fact, when it's already happened and I know the driver's okay. And I know how the race turned out. And I, you know, in, in the moment, I know that this didn't ruin the race. I don't think it ruined the race. You know what I mean? After right. the fact, I will go back and look at these wrecks and study them and just see how gnarly they actually are. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll, I've watched that Michael McDowell one 100 times. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've, I've seen that Austin Dillon one where he smashed the, the fence at Daytona. Oh, and the gosh. whole half of the car was gone. All that was left was the cage where he was sitting. Or the Jeffrey Bodine when he was in a truck and the car just exploded into the catch fence. Mm. I've seen those wrecks a hundred times each, but I sure as heck ain't wanting that to happen. Yeah. It's after the fact I'm looking at it and like, man, it's just, it's fascinating. See all these moving pieces and moving parts of this wreck, knowing that everybody's okay and know, knowing everybody made it through this. I'm not sitting there watching Dale Earnhardt's wreck a hundred times. I mean, who would do that? Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I will fully admit that I appreciate them after the fact, especially right. the fact that they, they walked away from it and what exactly they had to go through to get away from that wreck. Right. But in the moment, heck no. No, it's not like we're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the Rovals this week, and I can't wait to watch somebody wreck. You know, no, it's not like that. But you're talking about the Michael McDowell at Texas situation. Man, that was a horrible, horrible wreck that will live on in infinity for, you know, as long as we have mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's cool. You know, I watched that video and I'm like, man. What a wicked wreck that was. It you know? still makes me cringe oh, seeing that yeah. car hit the wall like that. Oh my goodness. That's uh, I don't know. I'll never understand people, so I try to I tried to uh, stop understanding a long time ago. 
Well, we're going to move on to some questions, and uh, we actually have a few from um, Tales from the Estate this week. They're they just back. Dropped a new episode. Yes, episode 90. Go check it out today. Have you listened to it yet? I have, yes. Oh, so you know the questions already. I don't. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I I know one. Uh, see, now, for everybody listening, I have the worst memory. I can't even tell you details about the Kansas race, and that was three weeks ago. I can't even tell you what I had for breakfast. I really I have horrible, horrible memory. So Caitlin really didn't ask a question. She made an observation. Mm-hmm. She more said uh, she was watching uh, this thing that Drew had on from the USA Network. I oh, think yeah. it's that the championship drive thing or the yeah, race for the championship. Yeah, whatever it's called. I forget what it's called exactly. But it basically goes through driver by driver, and usually it's two or three drivers for a weekend, and they follow their stories. Right. I watched some of it in Tennessee this weekend while I was at the cabin. And she made an observation. She was like, I didn't know that the drivers swore so much inside <laughs> the cars. <laughs> I heard, yeah, now that you you kind of said it, it kind of jogged my memory. And, and yeah, <laughs> I remember saying that. <laughs> um, that is why... Uh, my wife, she bought a splitter to get a radio with so we could listen to the spotters and stuff like that in the in-car audio. And I said, no, the kids are not going to listen to this. <laughs> right. That's, we didn't even end up doing it because like, it's it's interesting. But honestly, to me, like the in-car stuff, I don't know. I don't like hearing a bunch of cursing like that. And I know it happens because I was 12 when I got my first scanner and I listened to it at a NASCAR track right. and I heard this stuff in person and Earnhardt was a potty mouth. Ah, yeah. He was, man, he was rough. And I was like, well, I'm going to flip over away from this. What about Kyle Petty? Kyle Petty seems like he'd be, t- he'd be tame. Nope. Oh, nope. nope. Just as bad. I was like, well, there goes all my favorite drivers. I don't know who to, you know, who to look for now. Uh, Mark Martin, maybe he's pretty good. Yeah. Mark Martin's pretty good. Yeah, but I eventually found ESPN's TV broadcast on the radio, mm-hmm. like the scanner, and that was the most interesting part to me was listening to the TV broadcast as I was watching it in person on the headphones because they would talk during the commercials, right? And they would give their own opinions about what they're seeing happen. It doesn't make the air. And you hear their actual personalities as opposed to their TV personalities. I thought that was the most interesting part about having a scanner to me personally. I don't know if they still broadcast like that Mm -hmm. TV stuff. I don't know. I haven't tried in a long time, but I sure as heck wasn't going to let my kids listen to it. I've never had a, a headset or a radio out of race before. We have brought, we usually brought our own personal scanner because you can get like any police scanner as long as it's portable, you know, and just tune the frequencies in. Mm-hmm. That's what we usually did. We didn't usually get a scanner from there if, because my grandparents always had one. They had, they were those grandparents that had police scanner sitting by the bed, oh, by, yeah. the, uh, by the table in the living room. For sure. And they'd listen to see what was going on locally, you know. Well, yeah. It's just, a lot. you know, grandparents. That's what they do. For sure. Um, what uh, I remember uh, once Nextel had the uh, NASCAR thing, and we had the Nextel phones that were. I had a Rusty Wallace one back when they had the flip phones that were actually like 
driver phones. Yeah. Like you had a Tony one, you had a Dale Jr. one, you had a Rusty one. I had the blue number two phone. And one of the things that came with it for having the NASCAR phone was that you could watch a track map mm-hmm. of your driver. No video on these. This is, this is like 04, 05. So there's no video on these cell phones. But you could have you could follow your little dot around the track map as opposed to every, you know, in relation to everybody else. So you could follow how he was doing, and you could plug your headphones into it and you could listen to a scanner on your phone. Yeah. Wow. I remember having that. You didn't have to be at the racetrack. You could just do it anywhere. I remember listening to the scanner, Rusty Wallace's scanner, while I was, you know, walking around some shops downtown, you know. Right. While I was out and about. I did you couldn't do it while you're watching TV because it was really, really delayed. But anyway. Yeah. So to kind of be a little bit more clear with that, um, Caitlin, if my friend, listen, <laughs> if you want to go to YouTube and type in NASCAR radioactive, um, you'll, you'll see a lot of people. I, I would prefer you not to type in best of Kyle Bush radioactive because Kyle Bush see, is proof. Because then you're not gonna you're you're not gonna like Kyle Bush. And and <laughs> right now we need all the Kyle Bush fans that we can. So uh type in definitely well, you're gonna hear Kyle Bush on NASCAR radioactive no matter what you whatever uh you know you look up. So definitely uh give you know, go to YouTube, type in NASCAR radioactive and just sit back and relax. <laughs> Golly. Okay. Drew's first question, which is to be an easy one. I don't think we need to uh, go that deep into it. Why wouldn't they put Kyle Bush in the number three car? Um, so simple question, uh, simple answer, I guess. Uh, for me, I don't like that idea. I like the idea of him being in the eight uh, because if Kyle Bush went to the three, he would never have his own legacy. It doesn't matter if he changes the font. It doesn't matter any of that. The number three will always be synonymous with Dale Earnhardt. So it doesn't matter if Kyle Busch is racing the three car for the next 20 years. Every time you see somebody with a three hat, a three bumper sticker, or a three, you're always going to assume that is Dale Earnhardt. And I want Kyle Busch. Like, that's what he's created for himself when he was in the 18. Everybody knew he was the candy man. Kyle Busch was number 18. Now we're going to have to restart that process with the eight. You know, but every good driver does it. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. went from the eight to the 88. Um, kind of the same concept. You just drop in one number and you're going to the eight. Uh, I love that idea. I do not want Kyle Busch in the number three. And see, I, I kind of feel like it would be, he would have his own legacy if they changed the font. But that's just me because I would always see a three and I'd see what font it was. And it would automatically, I'd be associated either Earnhardt or Kyle Busch based on the font. That's right. just me personally. I know probably everybody wouldn't be that way, but I do see a lot of off like non-official Earnhardt stuff out there that doesn't have the right font. And right. I don't think Earnhardt when I see that exactly because it's not official. Right. But the, the reason like that's, that's one way to look at it. What you just said there, the real reason why he's not being put in the three is because that's Richard Childress's number. And Austin Dillon is Richard Childress' grandson. Who is the current it's, driver of the number three car. He, yeah. He's, the three is in the family right now. Richard Childress is not going to take his 
blood out of his number. The only reason Earnhardt got that number is because Childress quit racing. And there was not a Childress or anything to take the place. That's the reason why Earnhardt got that number. And he made it his own, right? Because everybody uh, associates the three with Earnhardt. The three is Childress. Yes. And it's been Childress since before Earnhardt drove it. It's always been that way. I mean, right. since Childress got in it in the late 70s or mid seventies or so before that, I think, uh, I mean, it's been a few other guys. I think Joe Weatherly drove a three for a little while. I mean, it's, it's been a few guys, but since Childress got in it and he drove the three, it's his number. And it's always been his number. It's always been his decision on, even if the three's going to be there because for a long time, he didn't even have a three right after Earnhardt died. What was it? 29, 31, 33. It was 29, 30, 31 and 33. Because he yeah. did have the 30. The AOL car was the 30. Yeah, Jeff Green. Mm -hmm. And oh, I think they had no seven, too, with Jack Daniels. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Clem Boyer. So they've had several numbers, but they kept the three out of it for a while until his blood came along. And then that brought the three back for Childress because it's not about Earnhardt anymore. It's about Childress. Right. So he's not going to put a random driver that's not his blood in his number. That's exactly. Yeah. That's the legit reason I believe it's happening. But yeah, there is a whole thing. It was like, well, keep the, keep the three with the family and not necessarily with somebody else that needs to try to make their own name mm -hmm. on a number that is synonymous with the most famous person in racing history. Yeah. That's uh, just, yep. You you said it right, and uh, I also put the other spin on it. Yeah, absolutely. A family number. Uh, another question from Drew: Do you like the playoffs? Do I like? Oh, absolutely. I'm back I and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, I fully understand that this makes an exciting championship every single year. I I understand that the uh, old system of just having the most points hmm. doesn't always make the exciting championship. In fact, some years it gets wrapped up two races early. Right. And that's very, very anticlimactic. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, in a sport, if somebody's just that much better, they deserve to win like that. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I kind of have I'm, a. I'm back and forth on it. I, I also am kind of back and forth with it. If we had, if we still had the old playoff system or like, you know, no playoffs, but the old yeah, way points. of racing, yeah. uh, Kyle Busch would have been a five time NASCAR cup series champion by now. But what's really fun as a fan aspect is that instead of having these, you know, championships being settled three, sometimes four weeks before the end of the season. So, I mean, what's the point of watching those, you know next four races or whatever if you already know who's going to win the championship now we have situations where it comes down to the final race and it doesn't matter if you're kyle bush in 2008 and win 11 races and the playoffs start and you just sink to the bottom mm -hmm. drivers are losing championships by one point you know like it's almost a 
a must-win situation. So that's when you'll see the drivers and, and the teams get a little bit more creative and maybe bending some rules. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. You have to start in the rear of the field. Now you have a big, big hill to climb. Uh, a lot of drama comes with the playoffs. Um, I am a huge fan, a huge supporter of the playoffs, but I can completely see traditional traditionalists that don't like the playoffs. My biggest thing, I think, to really get you know old school race car, you know NASCAR fans back, keep the playoffs, keep the stages, but don't throw cautions at the stage ends. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would, I, I think that would help a lot. The old system, when I say the old system, the system I'm talking about is the 175 points for a win, five points for leading a lap, five points for leading the most laps. That's what I grew up on. And it yes. goes 175 and then 170, 165, 160, 155, 150, and then I think it starts coming by fours. Mm-hmm. And it goes by threes, and I think the last place guy gets like 43 points yes. or something like that. The That system – you didn't get a bonus. You didn't get any bonuses for winning. You won. You won. You only got the bonus for winning because you led the lap, right? And if you lead the most laps, the most you can walk away with that day is 185 points. It usually produced a championship that was settled between two people, maybe three, with a realistic chance to win in the last race, but one person usually only had to finish in the top 20. And then everybody else was just trying to lead the most laps and win and hope that guy had a problem. Mm-hmm. And that usually didn't happen. Usually whoever came into the last race that needed to finish 15th or, or 20th or higher, he would win championship and he would run about 12th, 15th and win it. That's usually yeah. how it worked out. One year there was a crazy thing where six people came in with a chance to win it, but three came in with a re- real chance to win it between Davey and Allen and Bill Elliott. And then Davey crashed out, and it came down to one lap led difference between Bill Elliott and Alan Kowicki. See who would get the bonus point because if it went another way, it would tie. And then Elliott would get the championship for most wins. And then Alan wouldn't. It didn't work out that way. I've already talked about that race. That is an anomaly with that old system. Right. It never worked out that way again. And I don't know how many times it worked out that way before. Typically, it's like I said. Somebody need to finish in the top 15, top 20, and they'll win a championship. They'll lock it up. Sometimes people just have to start the race. The minute they took the green flag, they won a championship. Yep. Because they got that 43 points for winning a championship. But if they, if they never took the green, you know, somebody could beat them. But right. nowadays, I will fully admit it makes it really, really exciting. But at the same time, if somebody really, really deserves the championship and they don't get it in an old system where they would have clinched it going into the final race, they don't get it because maybe they blew a tire on the last lap while leading. Mm-hmm. That's rough. But that's also the reason why you have to tune in because if something like that happens, then yeah, the the driver that doesn't necessarily the driver that deserves the championship because they've had a, a stellar season because they should gain more points than everybody else all year long. Right. Doesn't win the championship. That gives an opportunity for someone who might not ever have a championship 
to win a championship. They're their first or possibly their eighth. You know, it's that's why you have to tune in and, and cheer your people on because you know you never know what's about to happen. Yeah, I'm back and forth on it. Yeah. I see it, but then again, I see the other part of it, and I'm like, I'm back and forth. Uh, one last question, and then we'll talk about the Roval for a second. What is your favorite NASCAR moment from the 90s? Um, so I'm a little different. I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. I was much. I was thinking that with you. I don't remember much before 2020 or 2021, 2001, to be honest with you. Anything after 2001, I'm pretty stellar at. So from like the 90s till I don't know the 40s it all kind of gets bunched into one but uh the 90s i would and this is just shooting in the dark i would say my favorite memory of the 90s was when jeff gordon debuted because of what a legacy he left when he left in 2015 you talking about 93 or are you talking about that last race of 92 the championship race i mean the debut i would say it's the last race of 92 yeah. His very first race was the crazy championship race I was just talking about, yeah. which is my favorite moment of the 90s. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah, 1992 that. Hooters 500 is my favorite moment of the 90s. Now, I mean, there's plenty others, you know, like, oh, Lord, uh, Daryl Walter winning his last race. That was really fun to watch. Um, Davey Allison winning the, the 92 500. Dale Jarrett winning the 93 Daytona 500. That was yeah. a great moment. I remember watching that live. The Dale and Dale show, yeah. Wait, if if yeah. it's – yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's either – and that's funny. Those two races are back-to-back. The 1992 Hooters 500 and the Daytona 500 1993. Mm-hmm. Those two races, between those two, those that is my favorite moment of the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's funny that they're back-to-back like that. So, you, uh, you picked Keselowski. I did this past week, and you won by finishing twenty fourth. Yeah, my guy, uh, Chris Busher, which Finished. I thought we were doing good there for a minute at the end of it. Y'all were looking good, and I was shaking in my boots. Oh, I mean, you, the six was up there too. They were both together right there near the end of it. And then oh, were they? Yeah, they were. They were. They stayed together all race. I thought I only saw the 17. I didn't, I guess I didn't see the six. Well, six might have blended in a little bit, but he was up there. He was in the like the, if, if the 17 was in like second or third, then Keselowski would have been like fifth or sixth. They were right there together the whole race. And you could tell they were right there together the whole race because where did I finish? 25th. Yeah. You finished 24th. I finished 25th. Ugh. Okay. So that brings your total. Well, first off, it brings my average this year to a whopping lowest it's ever been, 14.1. Oh, man. <sighs> yeah. Your total is now 11.1. Oh, no. Dang it. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to redeem myself with my pick at the Roval. All right. Who do you have for the Roval? So I'm looking at you know every you know the rest of my picks for the rest of the season and I feel like the Roval yeah the Roval possibly Martinsville and maybe Phoenix I have a, I have a possibility of getting those win uh, you know a win 
All I want is a win at this point. Um, the Roval, I'm going to go with someone who has to win. He is in a absolute dire must win this race to advance farther into the playoffs. The driver, the number 20, Christopher Bell. Okay, Christopher Bell. And I think that's going to do it for Christopher Bell for you. Yep. Yes. That is the last pick for, for you with him all year long. The next three races. Yeah, I picked or him at Bristol. Four races, right? Yeah. After four this, it'll be four. I am going to go with my last pick for this guy this year. I'm going to go with Michael McDowell because it's a, it's a road course. He's solid on road courses. I should have picked him at Talladega. Yeah, I I got swept up in the uh, in the Dell Junior download. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I, I did too. So it's okay. That's why I picked uh, Kozlowski. Yeah, I I shouldn't <laughs> listen to stuff before. I I should just go with my gut. I, right. I was going to pick McDowell anyway for Talladega, but then I heard that and I was like. Christopher Bush is a cool dude. I'm going to pick him. Like, no. Christopher Busher. Yes, no. sir. <sighs> oh, absolutely. That's my pick. My pick is Michael McDowell. And that, not, that wipes both of our picks out for the rest of the year. So, yep. not picking those anymore. So, real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we're already kind of long anyway. What's your thoughts on the Roval? I love the Roval. I actually just finished racing uh, NASCAR Heat 5. Uh, it's a hard racetrack. Oh, it yeah. is a really, really tough racetrack, <laughs> but man, it's so much fun. Uh, probably the one road course I would I would actually go to because it's the only road course that you can set in the grandstands and watch and see the entire racetrack. Oh, I agree with that. If I was going to go to any road course, it'd be the Roval. Absolutely, and that kind of it kind of biased because you know, like if I ever wanted to go to you know the Charlotte area, whether it's for the Coke Six Hundred or the Roval. Uh, I would. I feel like I would have a really fun time watching mm -hmm. a road course and seeing the entire racetrack. So I think that's that's probably my favorite road course. Um. Yeah. I'm a. I'm a big fan of the Roval. I thought it was weird at first, but then I saw the chaos that it caused. And yeah, we talked about not liking wrecks and stuff like that. It's one thing to not like wrecks. It's another thing to kind of root for crazy stuff happening in a race. Right. You know, like the first year it was there. Didn't Jimmy Johnson need this win mm -hmm. and he was going to advance to the playoffs and, and Truex needed it too. And they were coming down and Jimmy Johnson overdrove the corner and spun out and then hit Truex while he was spinning out. Ryan Blaney, who wasn't even in, he made it, he made it past everybody and made it to the next round hitting the wall as he come by that to win now, the race. That wreck happened 50 feet away from the checkered flag. And it knocked Jimmy Johnson out of the playoffs. And I believe, didn't it knock out Truex too? I, I think it did. It's he chaos. was driving that 78, yeah. It's all chaos. I loved and, it. I thought it was so fun. And, and then you go into the next year, uh, you have the race leader, Chase Elliott, go straight in to the barrier. Yeah. And then he comes driving right back up through the field, which is a really hard thing to do, especially at that narrow road course. He ends up winning the race. And like, then last year you had uh, oh. the Kevin Harvick Chase Elliott thing happen. Yeah. 
Oh, where my they were gosh. getting each other back, and Harvick was watching the mirror with Chase Elliott behind him. He completely missed turn one. What <laughs> an idiot! <laughs> oh man, you, you have see to see it. You can see it on the end car. He was watching the mirror, and he just overcooked the corner. He just well, he was so worried about that nine behind him after man. that Bristol thing. He that, just ran right into the barrier. <laughs> that was the moment I kind of lost all credibility for Kevin Harvick because, man, you have to understand, like, when he – I mean, he totaled his car when he when he hit the wall straight on head first, and you have to think, like, in that moment, he he was he was hot. He was like, did I just do that? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, how funny. Like, he what couldn't a, even what blame a, Chase Elliott. It was all him. What an idiot. <laughs> but uh, the Roval is – is it's the most fun road course now granted on top of that it is like half the track is an oval yes you know so that probably helps but it's a tighter oval it's not like daytona where everything's all spread out this one it's you, know, you cut a whole mile off of the track from daytona so i feel like it makes things move a lot quicker yes when they get on the actual oval part of it like you're out there and then you have a really fast chicane on the back straightaway. Right. That's caused some major problems with yeah. some people before. They had to completely reinvent the chicane on the back straightaway because they were cutting it so fast. <laughs> they were hopping the curb and getting airborne and ramping over the the uh the barriers they put on the side during yeah. the first practice. So they had to completely reinvent that thing so they wouldn't be flying through there wide open the way they were. Yeah, gotta watch out for those turtles. Then what? Uh, who put the Ninja Turtle on one of them one year? Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy did that. <laughs> Went out there and painted a Ninja Turtle on the curb. Every year he has done that. So <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen again this season. I saw that on Twitter. That's hilarious. But it's an interesting race. It always it always creates a little bit of chaos. And uh, I hate the way stage racing makes road courses. I hate that. I wish they could just do their own thing. And not have half the field come in for stage points and then half the field, you know, try to win the race. I hate that. Right. But, you know, NASCAR likes it apparently. So that's how that's how it is. But uh, that's going to do it for the show today. A little bit long one, but uh, it'll be all right. Uh, we're going to get on out of here and talk about the uh, podcast drafting partners real quick. And we'll run down the list. Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast, a Drunk Wrestling History podcast doing the favor with eric and barry positively pro wrestling podcast lap traffic podcast just a that's a, just a fun listen out they're not really associated with us as much i'm just kind of throwing that out there as a good listen if you really want to get in a deep dive with nascar yeah he, he actually he and i had uh conversations on twitter this week and as of today or yesterday it was either yesterday or today he actually met the undertaker that's awesome See, that's the one thing I do like about that show is that the uh, host is actually a big wrestling fan too. Yeah, that's you, really cool that they can uh, they they throw those two things together the way kind of we do. Yeah, which I didn't even talk about all the stuff that I've gotten recently as far as wrestling goes. Um, I can do that before I get out of here, but I think I'm just going to save that for another time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I ended up getting a lot of good good stuff lately as far as uh, action figures go, but nice. A lot of Talladega talk today. Um, I also want to throw out that Jason Wolf is an excellent artist. Great, great, great guy. Good podcast too. Uh, Howling at the Wolf. Howling with the Wolf? Howling with the Wolf. Not at the Wolf. You yeah, don't howl at the Wolf. The Wolf yeah. howls. You don't howl at the Wolf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, also, Outsiders Beer Co., um, made by Big Underscore Bane, who does our interest music. And he also, um, Spine in the Veil, brand new album. Yes. From his is out now. Excellent, excellent album. It, uh, it highly recommend it. Um, yeah, that new album by uh, Big Underscore Bane is absolutely fantastic. I haven't been able to like sit down and like give him like feedback on every single song like I normally do just because I've been super busy. But speaking of big underscore Bane, uh, I have Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Awesome show there. Uh, you know it's fake, right? With Brian Breaker. Uh, TV Toy Cast with Brian Breaker and Travis Fowler. That's That podcast has really been hitting my, my feels because uh, the last episode they were talking about McDonald's toys. Mm-hmm. And that's a uh, that's fantastic. You remember when McDonald's had those uh, Mc, uh, Ronald McDonald adventure videos? I do not. Oh no, nobody remembers this. Maybe it's a true <laughs> story. Maybe it's a true story I just made up. But uh, I really, I know it's not toys, but I really want them to go in depth with that. Uh, no holes barred with Bill Benes, which is back. It is. Uh, I think uh, they dropped a new episode tuesday i believe so go check that out uh tales from the estate episode 90 is out right now go check that out from drew and his wife caitlin and of course pulling up a chair with our friend tim at a chair shot which right now if you you have to go listen to his last uh episode he's giving away an ultimate edition hulk hogan so pretty fun stuff there. Also, Rowdy Energy, the official energy drink of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan, our friends at Lionel Racing, and that's all I got. Rowdy Energy needs more um, representation at the racetracks. I'll tell you what. I don't, know why, I don't know why Kyle Bush doesn't sell Rowdy Energy stuff in his hauler. Like I saw, I saw a post on uh, Twitter and it had a picture of the merchandise hauler for all of Gibbs and 2311. Right. Except for Kyle Bush. Kyle exactly. Bush was not on that hauler. And they said, yeah, what does this tell you? It's this pretty telling statement right here. And I was like, no, Kyle Bush has his own hauler. Uh, like, he if you outsells were, all those guys. Kyle Bush has his own deal. If There's only two drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series that has their own merch trailer, and that's Kyle Bush and Chase Elliott. Mm-hmm. Kyle Bush does not need, and nor has been, in that JGR Toyota uh, trailer for like what the last five years, maybe I longer. Say, I want to say Chase Elliott actually shared it a little bit with Talladega. I want to say there was some other Hendrick stuff being sold out there. I want to say the 48 was in there. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Well, I, I'm really I could ex- be wrong, but I want to say that. I'm really excited to see uh, if Kyle Bush is going to have his own merch trailer next year. I hope he does. You know, I was surprised how much it had changed because at one point, every single driver had their own thing. Mm. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Every single driver, it didn't matter if they were teammates to somebody or not. They all had their own thing. There was four rows worth of haulers out there selling merchandise. Right. Now, you'll have five, six guys in one trailer. Trackhouse yeah. shared a trailer with Petty. I have a cat screaming outside this this door. Uh, I, I did it's not freaking me out. I didn't hear it. <laughs> no, it, I'm hearing it. It's distracting oh. me. It is like you know, you know the, the 
you know, you have like cats fighting or something like that outside and how awful that sounds at night when it's so oh, quiet yeah. and you're you know, all this crazy yeah. stuff going outside. Oh, by the way, if he's listening this list this late, I forgot to mention it. I told Drew he missed a 90s video. I hope you listen to this late, Drew. There's your 90s video that you missed. It's one of my favorite videos from the 90s. Because you that whole thing that y'all were talking about, that's my era. That's when I started listening to pop. That's the first pop I started listening to was that mid-90s, 95, 96, and there. Savage Garden, I Want You. That video is my absolute favorite favorite video from the 90s. It's very, very 90s. It's like, oh gosh, it's like they're doing a virtual reality call, like a video call before it was actually a thing. So they have this futuristic idea what a video call is going to look like. And it looks nothing like that. It looks like an overly complicated VR chat. An extremely overly complicated VR chat. You have to put your face inside this weird machine. And they're talking back and forth between the, between them and this girl. It's a very, very fun 90s vibe with it. I, I have, like the song, too. I have no idea what you're talking about, pal. Well, look it up. Savage Garden, I want you. Savage That's, Garden? Yeah, they their music is not like the name. It doesn't match the name. You are talking to the Jonas Brother fan. I don't know if that would be up my alley or not. I, but you I know think what? it would. I think it would. I think... Savage Garden is not, it's not crazy. I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of stuff you would listen to might have had some influence from this type of music. So check this out. I'll listen to your Savage Garden, but Nick Jonas, when he had his own band, Nick Jonas and the administration came out with a song called Rose Garden. I'll listen to yours if you listen to mine. Oof. I know every okay. word to it, pal. I can sing it right now. I know every word to I Want You by Savage Garden. And if you listen to it, you'll find that absolutely amazing that I remember every single word to that. Even if I don't hear the song for a year, I'll still remember every word for that. Is that the one that goes like, I want it that no, way? No? no, no Tell me band. why it ain't nothing but... Okay. No. Okay. You're going to make me do this. All right. <laughs> All right. This is how the first verse of this song goes. Are you singing it? This is how the first verse of that song goes. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Any, any oh, hang on. <laughs> Anytime I need to see your face, just close my eyes and I'm gonna take it to a place of crystal mine and magenta feelings. Take a shot in the base of my spine, sweet like a chicken cherry cola. I don't need to try to explain it. So I'm tired when it happens again. And my move so slide to the arms and the lips and the face of the human kind of ball. When I need you, I want you. That's the first verse. What on earth just happened? What the world was that? There's another verse like that, and then they repeat that verse, and I know every single lyric of the stupid song from 1995 oh. or whatever whatever year this came out because I learned it because I really like the song. and I can't remember how to do long division, but I know every single daggum word of the song. I am so happy that I was alive when that happened. That is so fantastic. It'll and never happen again. Oh my gosh, I don't know about you, but man, you just became my best friend. That was fantastic. <laughs> Episode 25, I sing a little, you sing a little. Man, we're all just having a good time. <laughs> I sang a lot. I do too, that actually. A, that was a long verse. Yes, I had was. to take a breath halfway through it, which they cheat. They don't take a breath halfway through it. They just they, they add it into it because there's no way they can do that. 
Right. There's but, a Drake song that like, does that. I can uh, I can get halfway through, but it's highly inappropriate. And I'm not saying those words on air. So no. Okay. <laughs> so we uh, probably lost a few listeners of me actually doing that. No, those not a chance. Still here. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's show. If you would please rate and review and follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram at in the marbles pod, find us on Facebook. You can also email the show at in the marbles pod at gmail.com. Next week, we, I completely forgot about it this week. And I think we're just going to kind of do it on our own next week. Do you want to do your giveaway? I have a giveaway. You have. Yeah. Remember? What, what was the Did you forget the giveaway? What was the giveaway? It came in the mail. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. I was like, wait a minute. You're putting on. Okay, yeah, yeah. We can definitely do that next. Uh, we'll next week we'll do that next week. We'll do that. We'll announce it next week, and we'll see what happens there. So be listening next week. We're going to announce a giveaway. We have a giveaway. Yeah. And we're just going to kind of keep it between us, though. We yes. talked about something else, but I think it's better we just keep it between us. Sounds good. Between the uh, show, I mean, between the yeah. show. Yep. Uh, and if you want to go to whatamaneuver.net, you can uh, search by store at In the Marbles, and there's our shirts. It's a great way to support the show. Um, definitely check those out. And before we get out of here, you want to? Uh, you got anything you want to add? I do. Uh, big shout out to my good friends Dylan, Noah, and Skyler for uh, <laughs> for helping me out last week. I, I couldn't make it; I was tied up with something, and uh, they stepped in and and made the show go on. So very thankful for those young kiddos i appreciate y'all um as always peace love and all the above and we see you next time in the marvels